Hello and welcome to the third edition of Victor's Corner. I am your host, Victor Omoyo, one-fourth of the Codex Prime podcast, and it is Friday, February 26th, 2016, and I thank you so much for joining me this week. I have some good news before we get started in today's proceedings. Um, I will be back for next Tuesday's episode of the Codex Prime podcast, so I will be rejoining my cohorts Maurice, Aris, and Carl, and what's even better is that we will be having a guest join us on our show next week, so I'm really looking forward to meeting our guest and engaging in some podcast shenanigans as only Codex Prime can provide, so be sure to be on the lookout for next week's episode and uh, email us by all means. Send, send us and our guests some questions if, if you want at CodexPrimePodcast at gmail.com. And for that matter, be sure to send me some questions if you're so inclined as well. CodexPrimePodcast at gmail.com and type in Victor in the subject line. Okay, let's get into an R-rated discussion here, shall we? Oh yes, an R-rating. So tantalizing, so exciting, so... Naughty. Hmm? (laughs) Oh boy, that sounded really weird. Let's move on. Apparently the biggest talking point this week in Hollywood is the R rating. Specifically, making R-rated comic book films. And this has something to do with the success of a certain Ryan Reynolds vehicle from two weeks ago. Uh, In that respect, the biggest news this week is that Deadpool has just become the highest grossing R-rated comic book film to date, surpassing previous record holders 300 from 2007 and Watchmen from 2009, both films which just so happen to be directed by Zack Snyder, who just so happens to be the filmmaker behind Batman vs Superman Dawn of Justice, which will be released on March 25th. Now, Batman vs Superman is PG-13, So what does that have to do with the buku box office success of Deadpool, an R-rated property? Well, apparently, Warner Brothers has just announced that they will be releasing an R-rated version of Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice on Blu-ray and DVD. To which I ask, why? What the hell is the point of that? What rationale does Warner Brothers have of releasing an R-rated version of their PG-13 film. I mean, it seems like Warner Brothers is missing the whole point here. I mean, why make an R-rated version of your PG-13 film? I mean, for one, it gives the impression that you do not trust the original version and the original vision of your film moving forward. And two, the announcement of an R-rated version just smacks of cynicism and desperation on Warner Brothers' part. I mean, I mean, just look, just look at it. I mean, Deadpool was successful, just be, not because of its R rating. I mean, it did play a part in it, because the R rating gave that film latitude, the latitude that it needed to fully realize that character on screen. But more so, Deadpool was successful because it was different. It was a refreshing take on the tired and true comic book formula that we have seen time and again throughout the past 15 years. And a formula which, you know, Marvel Studios has distilled to a science to the point where many of their films follow the same pattern to their detriment in some respects. 
Warner Brothers should just trust the the integrity to trust the quality of their original vision. And if their original vision just happens to be PG-13, then so be it. I mean, for one, what would an R-rated version of Batman vs. Superman be like? I mean, would we see Batman breaking someone's limb and you see the bone exposed and with the blood spreading out like some gruesome water fountain? Or... Would we see Superman and Lois Lane in a fully frontal nude love scene on top of the Daily Planet? Or would we see Wonder Woman's Themyscirin titties flopping around all over the screen? I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm just throwing out ideas. I'm just trying to picture what an R-rated version of this film would look like. And <laughs> quite frankly, this just smacks of trying too hard on Warner Brothers' part. And... Really, if there's any property from Warner Brothers that should be R-rated, or rather should have been R-rated from the outset, that was Suicide Squad. I mean, Suicide Squad has is comprised of a bunch of villains and supervillains, you know, who are forced under duress to save the world. Otherwise, I think you know they'll you know get killed somehow, or at least um, at least that's how it is in the comics, I believe. I mean, with Suicide Squad, you have homicidal and violent characters like the Joker and and Harley Quinn and Killer Croc and Deadshot. I mean really any any one of those characters could have an R-rated, you know, film on their own. Together, we should expect the gruesome bloodbath, but that PG-13 rating is going to somewhat, you know, neuter the the full potential of a Suicide Squad you know, cinematic adaptation, in my opinion. I think that the film's still ultimately going to turn out fine. And I think that ultimately Suicide Squad is going to push the limits of the PG-13 rating. But, you know, from the outset, that film should have been R-rated. And the fact that Warner Brothers has announced an R-rated version of Batman vs. Superman shows that they're just trying to play catch-up with not only Marvel Studios, but 20th Century Fox, because 20th Century Fox owns the rights to Deadpool and X-Men. So Warner Brothers is taking the wrong lessons from the success of Deadpool, which is what James Gunn had, had discussed in an article in a Facebook post that he, uh, that he made recently, in which he said that he, hopes that he hopes that studios don't take away from Deadpool that, oh, all we have to do is add a bunch of blood, bunch of gore, bunch of bullets, bunch of breasts, and slap an R rating on it, and bam, we'll make such buku loot in the box office like gangbusters. And really, it shouldn't be that way. The R rating is not a crutch. To make to make bigger profits, if anything, studi what studios should take away from the success of Deadpool is that one, you have to trust the vision of your filmmakers and writers and actors. If they have knowledge and passion about the material, let the let them run with the ball. Don't don't get in. Don't muck it up with corporate studio executive interference. You can't let the bean counters put their fingerprints all over the film because they're not the creative types. Secondly, use the R rating for certain properties or certain characters that warrant an R rating. I'll use an example. Wolverine. Wolverine is clearly an R rated character. If you've read many of his many of his comic book stories, in particular Mark Miller's Old Man Logan, 
that's an R rating. Hell, that's an NC-17 story right there, okay? <laughs> to make that a PG-13 film, I mean, you still could do it because, I mean, Wolverine is... And all the X-Men films are PG-13. And Wolverine, you know, he's slicing and dicing people and you don't see one drop of blood. And, you know, it's, the, it's, it's a testament to the quality of the X-Men films, with the exception of Last Stand and X-Men Origins, because those movies are booty, that the X-Men films actually work. And a PG-13 rating, you know, makes sense. It's no, it does, it's no detriment to the quality, overall quality of those films. But Wolverine, Wolverine can clearly be an R-rated property. And in fact, Hugh Jackman's final film is going to get an R rating. And it might be an adaptation of Old Man Logan. We'll see. But that will be an alt but that would be an awesome send-off. So that's one example. Another example of an R-rated of an R-rated uh comic book property would be Lobo. Now, fans fans have DC fans have been clamoring for a live adaptation of a of Lobo for years now. And you can't get more profane or more crass than Lobo. That would that that smacks of R rating gold all over. And that could be DC's equivalent of Deadpool right there without being derivative. Also Blade. You remember those films? I mean the whole Blade trilogy, those are R-rated films, and those are pretty successful. I mean, the first two films, granted, were the best ones, and Blade Trinity was crap, and I have no words to say about the Sticky Fingers uh, TV version. So yeah, the R-rating is a tool. The R-rating is not a panacea or a cure-all or a magic bullet or a magic elixir for guaranteed box office success. And Warner Brothers and other studios, for that matter, should definitely understand that. And that's the lesson that they should take from the success of Deadpool. And now I just have one more item of discussion I wanted to touch on real quick before we wrap up here. And this time it's a book recommendation I have uh, focused on one of my nearest and dearest subjects in the whole wide world, Star Wars. Yeah. And uh, the book in question is called Lost Stars, and it's written by Claudia Gray. And Lost Stars is one of the uh, newest books in the new official canon of Star Wars by Disney and Lucasfilm. And in my opinion, Lost Stars is uh, the best book in the new Star Wars canon. It's, it's my favorite one, more so than Aftermath by Chuck Wendig, which is a pretty good uh, action narrative. And even though that book's received mixed reviews, I liked it just fine. And Lost Stars is a is a it's a we very well written love story, a very well written and engrossing love story, which takes place over the course of several decades. It starts off um, eight years after the events of Revenge of the Sith, which means it starts off eight years after the birth of the Galactic Empire, and it moves through uh, the original trilogy, and it stops somewhere right after Return of the Jedi. And the book starts off in uh, this outer rim planet called Jalukin, and it follows and it focuses on two kids. Uh, this uh, this boy named Thane Kyrell, who happens to be an aristocrat who lives in the mountains, and this rural villager, this young girl named Sienna Ree, who happens to live in the uh, valleys or the poorer communities of the planet. And one day, Thane and Sienna meet, and they discover that they both share a love and passion for flying. 
And it's this love and passion that, you know, binds them together. And as they grow old, as they, you know, grow up, they eventually join the Imperial Academy where they receive their training as pilots and Imperial officers. And as they advance in their careers in the Empire, their relationships, their friendship starts to deepen, their relationship starts to blossom and they become lovers and they develop a romantic relationship. And, and, it's, and it's a beautiful thing to see. Uh, the problem is, is that as they advance in their careers and as the Empire, you know, cr crushes the galaxy with their, with their iron grip, uh, their, their relationship starts to drift apart as their values start to conflict with what they want. And Thane eventually defects and joins the Rebel Alliance, while Sienna decides to um, buckle down on her loyalty and resolve and remains with the Galactic Empire. And advances even further in her career. And what's great about Lost Stars is that the relationship between Thane and Sienna feels so real and so plausible. And it just feels really authentic. And in a way that Anakin and Padme's relationship in the in the prequels never did. And that was due to awful writing on Lucas's part. Thankfully, Claudia Gray uh, presents a relationship which feels natural, which which feels, you know which you want to see more of and you actually care very much for these two characters and even though you may you might not agree with their reasonings behind their actions particularly sienna you do understand where they're coming from you do understand why they would make the decisions they make and that's key because what lost stars does uh, in addition to providing a great uh, a realistic romantic relationship between these two characters it also provides a human face to the galactic empire you know the galactic empire wasn't wasn't just comprised of you know evil british villains as you saw in the original trilogy and um, to a certain degree in uh, the force awakens but you see that it provides a deeper picture of the of the empire. There, it, it comp it's comprised of a lot of well-meaning people who wanted to, you know, you know, make it, strike it big, or make it, you know, make it far, you know, advance in their careers or in their adult lives, you know. And the Imperial Academy is the only venue or the biggest venue for that. And you see that you see their the friends that Thane and Sienna make, and you understand where th where their friends come from, and they're just good everyday average people with everyday worries, and you know, their hearts are in the right place, and they just want to you know, you know, get their work done and just try to live life as best they can while you know serving the Empire, while you know while staying true to themselves as well. And when certain events go down, uh, for example, uh, the destruction of Alderaan, as seen in A New Hope, uh, you do understand. And you're and you're kind of shocked at, at the same time how a character like Sienna or even some of her friends could rationalize the the destruction of a of a whole planet. And even though Sienna is not necessarily evil, you kind of see how her own loyalty and how her values that that she had deeply ingrained as a child, how loyalty was a big thing in her community and her family, how that sort of twisted against her. To, to sort of encourage her to stay with such an evil force. Whereas, whereas uh, you see Thane, who, who kind of grew up, you know, with a, you know, with a, I guess, a looser definition of what family is because his family was more aloof. They were less loving. 
and you know family you know familial connections were not exactly a high priority of of his when he grew up so you can, you can kind of see why thane how and why thane would defect you know to the rebel alliance without necess without you know necessarily agreeing entirely with their aims and their goals so the so Claudia Gray does a great job of putting a human face on the Galactic Empire and seeing how good people, good everyday people, could be, could be uh, so willing or conscripted into joining such a fascist organization. And what was also cool about this story too was that it depicts how and why the Empire and. And also, to a certain degree, the First Order, why the why that Galactic Civil War still exists in The Force Awakens, because the Empire has such a tight control of information and propaganda that they are actually presenting their own version of history, which is completely filled with lies. And they're able to do that because their number one opposition, the Jedi Knights, were all but eradicated. For example, there's a moment early on early on in the story where Thane and Sienna, they're studying galactic history. And apparently one of the, one of the things that they're studying is the uh, origins of the clone wars. And apparently what they, what they are learning is that the clone wars were started by a criminal gang, which interfered in a legal execution on Geonosis. And apparently this criminal outfit was led by a uh, gang leader, Mace Windu and his clone army. So these criminals actually started the Clone Wars. And so it's like a direct misrepresentation, a complete fabrication of the events of Attack of the Clones. And so reading that, that kind of stood out to me. It's like, wow, with that, with that level of misinformation that they're presenting as actual history, you can kind of see how and why the Empire maintains such a tight psychological grip in the hearts and minds of, of the entire galaxy. Because it's not just fear and power and might that gets the job done you have to like dig deep psychologically you know you spread misinformation and and uh through education and you know people aren't going to know what the real story is so i can kind of see how the first order still exists in in the force awakens so so that that kind of stood out to me and you know, the, the, and, the, and the whole story, Lost Stars, is filled with, you know, you know, grand themes of like honor versus duty, which is personified through Thane and Sienna, as well as as well as love and compromise. And it's just it, it's it's a it's a beautifully told story. And I think that the I would say that the biggest disservice that this story suffers from and it's not and it has nothing to, nothing to do with the story itself. It's uh, has to do with the marketing. And what I mean by that is that uh, this book, Lost Stars, is marketed as a young adult novel. And it's because of that that, you know, a lot of people might write this story off as, oh, this is just like Twilight for the Star Wars set. Absolutely not. It, th that is not true. That's further from the truth. I mean, do not let the young adult uh, label or designation fool you. This is a full-bodied, legitimately great Star Wars story. And... And if you're a fan of if you're a fan of you know the new canon of Star Wars uh, books and comics, this is one of the books that should be at the top of your list. In fact, this should be number one on your list if you're looking for good Star Wars stories to read. And Lost Stars is a is an excellent novel, and I cannot wait. 
until Claudia Gray's next novel, which is called Bloodline, which I think is coming out in May of this year. And that story follows uh, uh, General Leia in, in the months in the months leading up to, or the years rather, leading up to The Force Awakens, and it kind of depicts her career as a resist, resistance leader. So I'm really looking forward to that story too. And if that story is, and if that, if the quality of that story is as good as Lost Stars, then we are in for a major treat. So yeah, there it is, Lost Stars. If you're a Star Wars fan, definitely get on that as soon as you can. And so that about wraps it up for this week's episode of Victor's Corner. And if you want to write into the show, by all means, you can at CodexPrimePodcast at gmail.com and just type in Victor in the subject line. And once again, I will see you guys next week for next week's episode of the Codex Prime Podcast. And we will be joined by a guest, which will be awesome. Um, once again, thank you for tuning in. And I will catch you guys next time. So be well, stay awesome, stay classy. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Take care, guys.